All right, thank you so much for coming to this breakout session. My name is Sammy Jew. I work for the Baptist Convention of North Carolina as statewide Asian catalyst. It's a great honor and privilege to have all of you. And uh, today's session will be breakout, not breakout, breakthrough strategy for ethnic churches. But I do believe that this is not only for ethnic churches, but this is all churches. This is, all, uh, this is for all churches. So I think um, if you're not specifically target, targeting for ethnic churches, but still you might have something to learn from uh, this session. So I hope and pray that this will be a great time of learning. And uh, as Dave Rhodes said, this would be a great time of repenting and also um, purifi uh, purifying, restoring, and multiplying. And I was so amazed when I was just listening to the first session. I'm like, wow, that's great foundational uh, statement that was just ready for this session. So I'm think, I think it will be a great time of a connection and uh, um, kind of, how to say, sharpening the iron. So let me go ahead and pray as we begin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you for your glory, for your mercy upon us, Lord. Father, we do thank you for this wonderful day to celebrate you together and to be together with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will lead and guide this session so that we can, not only we will learn, but we will apply this into, in our ministries and we will see your glory to be spread out all, over, all, all around the nations. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. Amen. 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 I want to start with a Bible verse in Acts 19 and 10. If you see that, you will see amazing, amazing work of God that uh, Apostle Paul was in a city for two years, just two years. But every resident heard the gospel of Christ Jesus. There was no Instagram, there was no Facebook, there was no social media. But how in the world could everyone in the city hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? It doesn't say everyone received Jesus, but at least everyone heard the gospel. But imagine that, could it be just, would it be just Paul's work? Well, I don't think so. Paul shared the gospel on a daily basis in a synagogue. But those who heard the gospel, they were discipled, and they also shared the gospel. Uh, they multiplied the disciples. And I do think that that's how they all um, resident, every resident in that city heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So now we have social media and everything. We have means to communicate the gospel uh, and to a broader audience. But what if... This is my personal vision for my Asian ministry. In the next 10 years, this is what I want to see, that all 300,000 Asians in North Carolina to hear the gospel in the next 10 years. I'd love to see that 130 Asian churches would grow to 200 Asian churches in the next 10 years. And I'd love to see 50, at least 50 full-time missionaries among Asians in North Carolina to be sent out from North Carolina to all around the world. So this is my vision, but how can it be done? I'm sure there's a great example in Acts 19.10. It is possible, but if we do not, if we do not have the breakout, breakthrough strategy, if we do not have the right strategy to make it happen, it's not going to happen. So today, in the first half of this time, I want to draw out a picture here to help you to examine where 
we need to apply this breakthrough strategy because everyone in this room, including myself, we have somewhere we feel like stuck and how we can break through to move to the next point so that at the end we can see this happen for God's glory. So uh, let's start. IMB missionaries and many other missiologists researched on how churches being shaped and molded and built and developed and multiplied over the past um, several years. And this is how they came out. It's called the four faces of church. Four faces of church. How many of you are familiar with that? No one? That's good. Oh, are you familiar? Four um, we'll get to that, okay. but uh, it's a four phase of church, four phases of church. Um, I think understanding this will help us to where we are and also where we need to go from to where we need to so let's um, start with the first one. And after this, MC Co is going to come out and he's going to draw a, another picture to help you. What is the breakthrough strategy, biblical and simple breakthrough strategy for all churches? So the first one is called UPG. I'm sure it's most of you are familiar with this term. UPG is called Unreached People Group. Unreached People Group. Now, um, statistically, if there is a region where less than 2% of believers, Christians, then that is called UPG. Okay? Um, it can be Middle East, somewhere in China, and uh, uh, Southeast Asia, but it could be somewhere in the United States as well. Uh, in Korea, we have um, about 20% of population of Koreans are Christians, but among college students now, Generation Z, they are UPG because we have less than 2% of Christians among um, Korean college students. So it really depends where, the, where it is, but uh, the, yeah, it is, Unreached people group uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what's, gonna, what's happening here is there are not many churches here. So there must be uh, outsiders to come and spread the gospel. So this is the gospel seed. Okay. And there's no church yet, but there are some believers coming to Jesus Christ through this gospel sharing. But here, there's a big, big persecution coming in to these people. Because, you know, they are oddballs and uh, they are not really following their, the social norms and rules and things like that. So they're persecuted. However, the gospel seed is growing and there are more new believers coming in 
and there's no uh, theological education or there's no seminary, there's no big church in this stage. However, these believers are forming their um, groups. So it becomes a house church and they do not want to or they cannot build a big established church at this moment because um, they don't have any power to do that. But they gather together on a uh, daily basis or weekly basis and they're sharing the gospel, they're learning, uh, studying the Bible, but there's no professional uh, teacher or anything like that. Now, the gospel is being shared and being communicated and being multiplied and they go to a next stage. They go to the next stage. It's called a movement. Can everyone see this? Okay, cool. Now here, gospel is continually spread out. Not only uh, missionaries from outside, but these new believers are also sharing the gospel here very actively in the midst of persecution. Because they truly met Jesus Christ and they know that they have to, they have to go and make disciples of all nations. So with this passion and with the obedience to the Lord, they share the gospel with uh, more people through their sphere of influence. So we see, as a result, we see more believers. Here. And then more, more Bible studies. But this time, it's not just a Bible study or weekly gathering. They actually form a church, but not the established church or not the building yet but they're meeting in their homes. So house churches, a lot of house churches are being formed right here. Are there persecutions? Oh yes. There's still a lot of persecutions to these churches. But they never stop. They keep sharing the gospel. And then, among these believers, some of them become leaders, right? So, let me put some little bit of a leader's hat right here. Yep, some leaders. But in this stage, uh, most people, most believers, even leaders, they are somewhat uneducated. Um, they're not necessarily you know, big people in their society. Uh, there are some, uh, uh, many of them are marginalized, but they love the Lord. They have a really pure dedication and passion for the Lord. So they're all about obeying um, the Lord Jesus' command to go and share the gospel. So this is the movement stage. But the gospel is advancing. Just like in the um, Philippians 1.12, Paul was in the prison, right? So he was limited, but the gospel was advancing even more. So that is 
the movement stage, even in the midst of all the persecutions, the gospel is growing, the kingdom of God is growing. So this is the main. So this is why we put it movement. Again, this is not from me. This is from the missionaries who watched and served and um, seen, have seen all this great movement all throughout the uh, globe, not just in Asia, but in Africa, everywhere. And this is how uh, Korean churches also experienced growth. For example, in 1907, there was a big revival in Pyongyang in North Korea. Now it's in North Korea. But at the time, there was a great movement of re repentance. Everyone repented of their sin, but not just that. They did not settle with the repentance, but they, were, uh, they experienced the restoration, just like we uh, learned today. Churches were being uh, formed, but not just that, there was a multiplication. The indigenous leaders, not the missionaries, but indigenous leaders were uh, developed, and the Korean nationals became uh, leaders and pastors. But most of them were very you know, uneducated people at the time. Now, the excitement is going up, and then they move to the next stage. It's called formalization. Here, gospel is scattered more, shared more, through the effort of this believers and the leaders and house churches, and they're still um, doing a lot of work of God here. And then, there are uh, more leaders, more believers are being produced here. But in this stage, there's a big difference between movement and formalization. Do you know what that would be? Leaders. Now this stage, more educated and big person, uh, the people with a big, bigger influence join the church. Okay, with a bigger hat right here. So they have a more influence in their society. And then they bring that influence to the church. How? In this stage, there are still some house churches. But the first time, they build building. Still small, but they build, they begin to build buildings. More recognizable uh, churches, the physical uh, building, so that in the society, people began to recognize that, oh, there's the church. Even non-believers say, oh, there's the church. I know that leader because that leader works for a bank and that leader is a professor and people began, the society began to recognize. Is there persecution? Oh yes, still, but it's not like this. Here the persecution is pretty intense, but there are a little bit of, mostly like a house churches toward, uh, toward house churches, but not the recognized church because in the recognized physical building, uh, you have influential leaders there. So even the government recognizes this, those people, right? 
So churches are becoming more um, formalized. And then here, they began to have seminaries to educate these leaders. Seminaries. Okay. So things are um, going pretty good here. Uh, still a lot of people becoming uh, believers. And then the final stage, they move to the final stage. It's called institutionalization. So see how churches all around the world are taking these steps. Okay? For the first time, churches, I mean the gospel movement is either plateau or decreasing. Up until here, the gospel was advancing, like more people are hearing the gospel, but here, for some reason, the gospel movement is not growing, but declare, uh, decreasing. Here we um, have believers, but they become more inward. They're not necessarily uh, sharing the gospel as they used to here. And there's a, there are group of super leaders, like a PhD, two PhDs and three PhDs. And, and then there's a really gigantic seminaries that the leaders must go through this um, recognized, established seminaries. And then in this stage, we see, we begin to see a superstar pastors. And we begin to see a huge mega church. And also we begin to see lots of denominations. Um, is there any persecution here? Yes, but in a different style of persecution. Churches are persecuting churches. Well, um, for example, The Catholic churches were persecuting the uh, pro Protestant churches uh, back in the 16th century in Germany, right? And we see those type of things um, even in these days as well. So this is kind of a general idea in history how the churches have moved from one to the other. My country, Korea, is right here. And until 1990, we were in this stage. But through the economic growth and the growth of the, uh, the power, 
of the church leaders, somewhat the churches in general in Korea became very institutionalized. And then we kind of have all these features right now. What about in the United States? I guess um, we can agree that we're pretty much here as well. We see the churches are dying or plateauing and, and whatnot, right? Now, here's the, I think, a really big issue here. Up until here, her, here uh, people are more, maybe more obedient than knowledgeable. They may not read the Bible in Greek or Hebrew, but they obey the Word of God more. Whereas here, people have more knowledge than obedience. Just like 2 Timothy 3, 5, I mean 3, 7. They always learn, but they do not live up to what they learn. So that's the um, biggest problem, okay? And then there's a statistic that when GDP grows up to 10,000, people begin to be more resistant to the gospel because they think that, oh, we have enough. We have enough money. We can take care of ourselves, and we don't need the gospel. So um, there's much more of a, um, there's a less receptivity to the gospel in that way. But are we hopeless here? No. God is still uh, in his throne and the church is his body. And then um, the church is always the only hope, right, in the world. So uh, what they do is they send out missionaries, right? And they can. And they can be, they can use uh, the money resources and whatever they have to spread the gospel to all around the world. And this, this is what the United States and Korea and other established um, Christian countries, not Christian country, but um, the churches are, have, have done in the past. However, here's the very, very, very important thing that all of us need to know. The biggest, this is great that they are sending missionaries, but the biggest problem that can happen is this, that these missionaries, they are so accustomed to fourth stage. You know, they are PhDs in missiology, and they went to a big mega church with 2,000 members, and they know how it works in their church setting. But when they come to the UPG, they're like, oh, there's no church and nothing's going on. So let's start a ministry here. That's good. But the problem is they are importing or they're exporting what they have done directly to here. So they're trying to build a church. Building, not the church, but church building. They import the uh, big seminary system right here. Guess what would happen? These people, these indigenous people, they experience the first hand 
experience from the institutionalized country so that what they, what they think about church is this. Oh, to have a church, we need to have the building. No matter what we do, we must have building. Because these missionaries are teaching that you've got to have a building. Second, you've got to go to seminary. You've got to have a degree. And you've got to have this and that and this and that and this and that. That you cannot find in the Bible. Right? So, this happened in many mission fields. And then there was a, there's definitely a great work by missionaries. But sometimes they imported uh, westernized or institutionalized uh, Christianity instead of being faithful to what the Bible says. You know, Sadducees were very human-centered, whereas Pharisees were very um, traditional centered, right? Sometimes we can bring our man-centered method or traditional method so that we kind of export hierarchical structure to this indigenous people. That um, we say, oh, that's just a tradition. But what is the uh, the tradition that many churches have, for example, there's one big church and let's say 20,000 members are here, but only 20 people are doing everything, including a lead pastor and the staffs, the paid staffs. If we import that, export that here, what would happen? Oh, you must have a dedicated leader and leadership team. So let's say they have about five people who are very, very dedicated. But all the other congregations, like say about 65 congregations, they are already educated not to do anything. Only five people up. They are the ones who do every work so that all the 65 people don't have to do anything. They just come to church on Sunday and learn stuff and go home. That's it. Why? Because they learn it from here. Only higher-ups, the hierarchical higher-ups can do things. That's the tradition, man-centered things that we do not see in the scripture, right? So we have to be uh, very careful. Now, let me tell you some reality. I serve for Asian churches in North Carolina. But imagine you go to a Korean church or Japanese church and whatnot. What you will find is this. Oh, this is not so different from my, Ameri uh, my American church. So you, you might feel pretty much comfortable. Is that a good thing? I think that's good. You know, you see like a brotherhood and sisterhood there. However, the problem is probably these Asian churches adopted this institutionalized model so quickly or they were assimilated to American style church too quickly so that they kind of form their own church, almost like a same style. That on Sunday, pastor is doing everything, and all the congregation is come and listen to his preaching and go home and doing nothing. There's no multiplication, nothing's happening at all. But 
On top of it, many Asian churches have an issue of separation between first generation and second generation. The first generation worship in their own language, whereas second generation who are born and raised up in America, they look like me, they look like Asian, inside they are Americans. So when they go to their, their, uh, their parents' church, they don't understand anything, maybe 50%, maybe 30%, but they don't fully understand what the preacher is speaking because the preaching is speaking their mother language. So after five years or 10 years down the road, these ethnic churches are losing the next generation. And also the first generation church, the pastor is doing everything and the congregation is getting old, but they're not really making any disciples because they have learned from this institutionalized model for such a long time. This is why I'm telling you, this is why they need breakthrough strategy that is not from somewhere, but that is from the Bible itself. The Jesus' strategy. Jesus' strategy to break through all of this so that they will be faithful to Jesus' command, the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations. So I hope this would be a great introduction for you to understand how the churches have been um, have been growing and um, decreasing in this way, but there is a big, big, the, uh, the issue that we always need to, we need to know that Jesus called us to make disciples of all nations. Jesus called us to multiply, but all, if we go fall into this paradigm alone, then we may not see the multiplication at all. We may not see the next generation of churches at all. We may stuck here, and then next 10 years down the road, next 20 years down the road, or maybe even five down, years down the road, we may not see the next generation of believers. So this time, I want to invite uh, Pastor MC Co to come, and then he's going to uh, guide us through the uh, breakthrough strategy coming from the scripture about God's heart, and then uh, what, the steps, what steps that we need to take to multiply disciples. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Actually, I'm not uh, worthy or I'm not supposed to uh, share this one, but uh, um, the main uh, spirit of a BST uh, breakthrough strategy is a reproduction. So he's reproducing another speaker right now. Uh, so it's kind of a good model to share. Uh, my name is MC. <coughs> my um, genuine name is Myung Chun. I think whenever I share with uh, American brothers and sisters, they cannot pronounce it exactly. So I chose MC as uh, my name, the mind of Christ or multiplying <laughs> The Christians, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and yeah, this is great uh, first stage to understand what the church looks like. You know what the big difference, right? Here's a reproduction is here, but the, this is a rare, right? I want to share. I want to share some of uh, God's heart and four fields. And before that, 
I would like to share what the missionary does in the first stage, right? Um, IMB published uh, foundations, you know, the booklets. If you see it, there's a six missionaries task. Six missionaries task. Imagine uh, if you go uh, to the UPG as a missionary, um, the first thing is you enter there, their culture, their language, their country, you live there and be like them. But they recognize you as a foreigner, right? Stranger. But the, once you get there, what's the first task you, you have to do? Yeah, uh, we call entry as a uh, language and cultural you know, adjustment and then you evangelize, right? Not like a four-stage, four you come here and establish church building. It is wrong, right? Everybody understand that. We have to preach the gospel and then make a more Christian, right? And then what else? And then what is the next stage? After evangelize, you have to? Yeah. You have to make a disciple, right? It's an easy thing. Everybody understand this flow, right? And then after discipleship, there is a disciples of a group of disciples, and you plant a church. Could be house churches, right? Like 10 or 15 people. It's what happened in the China back in days. They have a CPM, church planting movement. House church after house church to house churches. In Indonesia, they have a church planting movement still. It works. And then the missionaries retire, came back to states. They are working on church planting movement here too. Everybody doubts: Is it possible to do it in United States? It's possible. Uh, there is a proof. But the, after planting churches, the missionaries focus on developing church leaders, right? Pastors or deacons. And what is the last task of a missionary? You know, exit. Exit. They are out of that country. And coming back home or finding different missionary, a mission field, right? This flow should be our tasks as well. This flow should be our tasks in the United States. You know, here is not anymore the stage four country in the up north. There's a UPGs all of, all of the country. In the triangle area, do you know how many Muslims are living? 35,000, 35,000. Unreached people group, UPG are our neighbors. So we have to apply this in our daily practices, right? So I would like to share about the, our strategy, the full picture, and then I want to grasp how can we apply in our church ministry. I'm sorry, my faith is limited. I printed, printed 25 uh, pages of the Bible verses, but uh, I think more than 30 show up, so. Uh, I'm sorry, but the, all the verses that uh, are in your Bible, and then if you can um, 
give me your email address. I can I can kind of send you guys. Um, the first first verse that I want to share is Second Peter three nine. Second Peter three nine. Would you read slowly and s silently? All right. Can you read together? Said go. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You know what's the God's heart? You know God's vision? Everybody came to the repentance. Everybody come to the knowledge of God. Everybody to be saved. That's God's heart. You know, Luke 15. The prodigal son and the father. Father is waiting outside, right? Father is waiting for the prodigal sons. That's God's heart. So we, once we know the heart of God, we have to understand what God wants us to do. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, right? All nations, pantata ethne, all ethnic group. You know what? Who can make disciples? Who can make disciples? So devoted Christian, mature Christian. Can you see chapter 20, verse 16 to 20? Can you guys read verse 16? Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And they saw him, they worshiped him, but... Some doubted. Among the 11 disciples, some still doubted on Jesus Christ. Is he real? His resurrection is real? But still doubted. But Jesus commanded them this great commission to the disciples among them who has doubt. If you have doubts on discipleship, if you have doubts on the salvation, still, still, God commands you guys to go and make disciples. God will strengthen your faith in the process of discipleship, right? Acts 1.8, Matthew 6, 9, and 10. It's all oh, God's heart is in there. You know what God's heart? God is dreaming about Kingdom of God, right? Genesis chapter 128. God bless the people. Be fruitful and multiply. Reproduction was commanded with a blessing. But still, we don't do it, right? How can you multiply? How, what to multiply? It is God's glory to be filled. How? Everybody come to Christ and praise the Lord and glorify God. That's what God wants us to do. You know what Jesus do? For this heart, Jesus came on earth, and what is the first thing he do? He came on earth, and as we heard from the main session, he preached the gospel. The time, Kairos, is fulfilled, right? And repent and believe in the gospel. So he preached. 
and he make disciple and he sent he sent two by two in Luke chapter 9 of 12 disciples you know what happened in chapter 10 70 or 72 were sent you know where the 72 came from in chapter 9, Jesus sent 12 disciples. In chapter 10, Jesus sent 72 disciples. Among, be, between those stories, there is a Jesus fed 5,000 people. You have, if you see the flow of it, you can see what disciple does. Jesus, disciple kind of multiply disciples. Right? Thank you. Thank you. And then... Once Jesus was ascended, there's a Holy Spirit came and church was planted and leader was formed, right? What about the Paul? Is the first journey, second journey, and third journey, what, what does it look like? He, his first strategy is go to the synagogue and preach the gospel and find the obedient people and make disciples and plant the church and live, right? So first journey was a focus on evangelism. Second journey was focusing on church. The third journey was focusing on developing leaders. Exactly what the, the foundation, the IMB, is, is a kind of a, have a strategy for that. Everybody knows 2 Timothy 2, right? Paul is writing to Timothy. Hey, Paul, Timothy, and find the faithful man and teach others. Paul, Tim, first generation to second generation. Tim to find the faithful man is third generation. Find others to teach is fourth generation. Multiplying, reproduction were there in the Bible. And that was uh, Paul's strategy as well. Doing his strategy, yes. Doing his tactics, yes. This is what Jesus did. In chapter 10 of the book of Luke, Jesus sent 72 disciples. Do you, know, do you know where they sent? Jesus is about to go. Jesus wanted to go their villages, and Jesus sent the disciples in, in, in advance, right? And then Jesus went there and they preached the gospel. Jesus had a strategy. Why not us? Then what kind of strategy do we need? What kind of strategy do we need? I believe, as I mentioned, first thing we have to do is evangelism, right? Evangelism. We have to find believers and non-believers. Do you know who needs the gospel? Is it a simple question? Who needs the gospel? Believers or non-believers? Both. Both. <laughs> right? Everybody needs the gospel. Every single day we need Jesus Christ, right? Yes. For the believers, they need training. Non-believers, they need Jesus, gospel. We have to, this is four fields. We have to enter 
to the believers and non-believers to figure out what to do, right? Matthew chapter 13, kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. It's a little tiny seed, but if you plant it, it will grow. If you don't plant it, it will not grow. So planting is the, the key to do it, right? Romans chapter 15 and 19. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. As uh, Sammy shared, Apostle Paul shared all the gospel, everybody, and the uh, um, Jews and Greeks in the Asia heard the gospel, right? For two years. Illyricum is uh, all the way to, to the Europe. So he, his uh, preaching is uh, all the way spread out wherever he goes. So where you are, you have to bring the gospel into the field. We have to break through. We have to break through. There's a lot of uh, obstacles, hurdles to get over, right? And second thing is we need the training of evangelism. Do you know who preached the gospel uh, with the passion, the most passionate person in the world? Whoever, the baby Christian. The baby Christian, the right after receiving Jesus Christ, there is just joy, passion, and love there, and they are eager to um, preach the gospel. Do you know about 60 to 70% of new converts came from new church planting? Isn't it amazing? The old churches, I'm sorry, I don't know how old is your churches, but you need to replant to reach the nations, right? To fulfill God's heart. So we need to training of evangelism. Do you have any strategy for evangelism? Do you have any method to teach? I believe you guys have three circles and bridges and four spiritual laws and everything, right? There's a ways to do it, but we do have a strategy. Why we have to preach the gospel? Why we have to share the gospel? To who? To whom we preach the gospel? And how? In the BST, there are two different ways. Number one is C, two C. Number two is any three. C to C means creation to Christ. Creation to Christ. Any three is uh, anyone, anywhere, anytime. This is a uh, uh, design for the Muslim people. This is designed for non-Muslim people. We try to deliver the full gospel, not abbreviated version. It takes 13 to 14 minutes, excluding personal testimony. If you include the personal testimony, it takes like 16 to 18 minutes to do it. But we have a training set to do it. So after training evangelism, uh, there's uh, only one way to evangelize, mouth to ear. Right? Not like a lifestyle. 
not like anything else, but we have to preach out the gospel itself. And there is another way. The next version is reproducing disciples. It's a reproducing evangelism. How can you make disciples? How can we follow Jesus Christ? We, you, I believe everybody, every single church has a discipleship programs and te teaching the Bible. What's the Old Testament, New Testament, what the Bible is all about? Yes, that, we, that is needed. But the, what about the lifestyle? What about the application? We need to obey, practice obedience. You know what's the big difference between the, the obedient people and the church members? I believe all the leaders know the difference, right? We try to find obedient people. So we have to practice the obedience here, obedient to the Lord. We have to challenge them. So BSD has a, we call it T4T, train for trainers. There's set. Look back, look up, look forward. About your life, past two or three weeks or last week, look up is about the Bible, about the teaching. And look forward is uh, how can you apply? You have to do certain application, right? So number one is the thanksgiving or sharing the prayer request, pray together. Number two is the worshiping, the praising. Number three is the checking what you have done last two or three weeks. Right? Since we meet together, what did you do? How did you obey well? Did you obey well or not? We call it accountability. This is Word of God, and this one is uh, talking about the vision, and then this one is practice. Whatever you learn, you can assign one-on-one -on -one conversation. One-on-one -on -one conversation. I believe this is the key, one-on-one -on -one conversation. We assign people into one-on-one -on -one uh, talking about the Bible, talking about the spiritual life. Keep practicing, practicing. That make easier to do evangelism as well. Also, the last part is uh, how can we obey to the Lord throughout the Word of God. Right? Very application-based discipleship program is there. And the last, developing, reproducing churches. Actually, chapter 2, verse 37 to 47 is here. I believe we call it early church snapshot. Correct? Early church snapshot. This is what the church does. If you develop the, the small group well, if it, it is multiplying, I, I believe you will get a chance to multiplying churches. If there is a pastor coming out of it and then plant the new churches, I think uh, exactly what the Bible says happening. And then reproducing leaders. For the leaders, uh, there is a local leader, regional leader, and apostolic leader. Apostolic leader is, uh, is uh, doing everything is uh, under his control. Like Sammy, he is, uh, I think he has vision for 200 Asian churches. 
I'm working with Ralph Gray for the church planting in NC Baptist, and he's the visioning as a 1,000 church planting in the next some years. But without developing leaders, it's not going to be possible, right? So BST is a reproducing breakthrough strategy. There is a hurdles between every single items to do. So it's easy to do it, to the evangelism training, but it's getting harder, getting harder, getting harder. Or the church is going out to the field to develop. Do you have a master plan of evangelism or training or discipleship or reproducing churches? If you, if you do, just go ahead and multiply your strategy with other people. If you want to know more, I believe that Sammy can help you uh, to develop this kind of program as well. But uh, I believe every single thing is, is for the kingdom's sake, right? The kingdom of God changed my vision and my strategy, my goal to develop a lot. I started uh, my church ministry in 2017. It's been five years. And there are 22 churches, Korean churches in Triangle area. Uh, they are not well cooperative. They are very competitive, right? And then the church members is kind of hopping around. And once I see it, and is it God's will? Is it what God is pleased with? No way. We have to go out. There's uh, 8,000 who is dying without gospel, Korean people. And there's more, multiple, multiple Asian people and generations around without gospel. We have to go to the field. The field is white. The worker is limited. We have to ask God to send us more people to come in. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you, MC. The last statement. <laughs>